Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bear of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh. That is Vince Tagliavia. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. We are live with you Monday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And this is where we inform you of what is happening in the world with the unfolding global conspiracy of communism, socialism coming to America, infiltrating our academic, our social, our cultural, our political, and our militaristic systems here within the state and throughout the globe under the guise of Agenda 2030, the United Nations Project for Sustainable Development, as well as the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, and much, much more. The world is on the brink of collapse, and we all feel it, and we all know it. And the only thing I can tell you about it is this. (laughs) That's the truth. It's about the only thing I can say is that um, we will survive. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to survive this. We're going to be all right. We're going to come out of this as human beings with our souls, with freedom. Now, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen in between. I get that. You understand that. We all know that. We understand that things are incredibly chaotic. Now, if if you're new here and you haven't tuned in to like my Friday night show where we talk about a lot of the fringy topics, and I don't mean to get too fringy here, okay? Um, I I developed a theory called optimization theory. And I think that this is important to bring up right now because um, I want to give everybody a piece of news. So this is kind of interesting. Um, I just saw this yesterday on the official reports from the James Webb Telescope. I'm listening. Okay. Do you remember my theory on light? Yes. Remember how I said that light doesn't travel at 186,000 miles per second? Instead, what that is is the rate of collapse of the medium that it's going through, and that's why we have the ionization. Yes. Which means that when we look at a distant galaxy, we're not actually seeing that galaxy 100 million years ago. We're actually seeing it in real time right now. Okay, everybody remembers this theory? I remember this theory. The James Webb Telescope has just came out and looked at the deepest, furthest reaches of the universe. And the information, the data that they brought back is disproving the Big Bang Theory. It's saying that the galaxies are too well formed. And so they have a few Uh. solutions to this. So basically, the further you look back into the universe creation, the less complex the structure should be. Because if you're going back and back and back closer to the Big Bang, Big Bang, everything should be just gases and stuff like that. You shouldn't have stars and galaxy formations. Well, they're seeing the exact opposite. It's actually incredibly complex that things are incredibly more developed than we're seeing right now. And so they have a few different theories of why this is. It doesn't completely discount the Big Bang theory. But one theory is that the universe is much bigger than we expected. That's a good theory, right? Okay. And But that still doesn't account for what they're seeing. Another theory is that the Big Bang didn't happen in that basically special relativity needs some corrections. Which is Einstein's theory. Right. Here's the other theory. 
light doesn't work the way we thought it does. That light is not traveling, that the light we see is not what was discussed. Well, so you have to go back, right? And you have to go back to the 1900s when they determined that there's something known as a red shift and a blue shift, right? The expansion of the universe is that things that are moving towards us are red in, in this, this shift color and they're blue when they're moving away from us, different spectrums of light, right? And this was uh, Hubble who discovered this. Now, this theory is basically that our universe is expanding, getting bigger, and that things that move away from us are traveling at the speed of light and they can calculate the size of the universe based upon this theory, right? Well, basically they're saying is that it's completely wrong, that that whole dynamic of that understanding of how light travels is wrong and that light might not actually be a constant in the universe, what they're saying, of which the light that we're seeing might not be 100 million years old or 15 billion years old, but actually might be real time. What we're actually seeing is what we're seeing. Now, fascinating. I was sitting there going, that's my theory. That was my theory. And so I was kind of like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, one for the good guys, you know? Like, I wonder if they watch your show. I don't know. <laughs> but this is like, no, this is a group of NASA scientists that are, are in, in, in different cosmologists are coming out with these ideas. So I, I love this theory, by the way, because it just makes so much sense. But that was one of the cool things, right? But there's a lot of discovery happening. And, and, and the reason I brought up optimization theory was because of this. My theory basically states that there's only one process that occurs in the system of the universe. If you look at the universe in systems theory, there's only one process that ever occurs, and that is the exchange of energy. That one system comes in contact with another system, both systems are completely unique unto each other, and they give, begin the process of the exchange of energy. That exchange of energy brings those systems together in relationship, and they produce an emergent system, a third system that develops out of them. This derives out of esotericism, occultism, of the trinity, two things coming together to form one, the one being more intelligent, complex than the other ones. Now, this is interesting because everything moves to a state of optimization, or what I call sum zero, within its environment. Everything is basically a disturbance within its environment. The environment itself is naturally at this state of resonation that we call state sum zero, and that everything in it is moving to the state of sum zero to match the resonant structure that is being created. Well, here's the thing, is when that, that system interacts with another system and is moving to a new state of optimization, it goes from one point of optimization to another point of optimization, what happens in between? What is that called? What have I called that in the past? It's okay. I don't recall. I call it chaos. Okay. See, if you're at a state of optimization and you're interacting with another system, you have to move to a new structured, highly intelligent, patternized system. You have to deconstruct that those systems that you just had to basically reconstruct into an optimized state, a new optimized system. And see, that's what's happening right now. Look at the world right now. Look at all the chaos. The system is deconstructing to re-optimize itself into a new higher state of optimization. That's why this is okay. the great awakening. All right. Organized chaos. That's exactly it. Is the chaos reorganizes itself into a state of optimization. And that's where we're right now. We're in between these two states. And that's why I say that everything's going to be all right. Because you know what? We can use the term or the phrase God wins. We could use the term, you know, don't worry, be happy. Because here's the thing. Everything's going to be all right. You know, we were put on this planet right now for a reason by our creator. 
That is the truth. Everybody here right now was put here by your creator to be here, to witness this moment, to be alive during this time, okay? And I'm pretty sure that in all the glory of the universal creator, of God, whatever you want to call him or it or whatever, eternity, absolutism, whatever you want to call it, in all that glory, he didn't put you here to die to communism. Especially at this time right now. He didn't put you here to die from a dangerous jab. He didn't put you here to, to succumb to the sorrows of the world that is in decline and peril. We are here to make a difference. We are here to change the world. Everybody in this world right now is here to change the world for the better. They're here to bring about this new point, this new stage of optimization of human consciousness, of human evolution, of our world. You can call it the kingdom of God, the glory of God, whatever you want to call it. But we're here to usher it in. And every time, okay, every time in the history of mankind, in our known written history and probably ancient history beyond that, mm-hmm. that these points come, you will experience great resistance. There will always be somebody there to stop you from doing good. There will always be someone there to stop the evolution of the next branch of consciousness, of the next branch of, 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 of our spirit. Okay? There's always got to be something that resists. And, and this, this analogy I've used before, and I want to say this again, is take a little seed and plunge it down into the soil. It goes under immense pressures going into that soil. That soil is dark. It's cold. It's it's. It's squeezing upon that seed. And that seed, surrounded by the coldness, the darkness, everything that comes from it, begins to push its journey out of its shell. With a massive awakening, it punches out of its shell and it begins to climb upward. Upward out of the coldness, out of the darkness. Till eventually it breaks through the surface of the ground into the atmosphere and gets the first glimmer of hope and the first glimmer of light. That seed then sprouts and begins to grow and blossom into an amazingly beautiful flower of which generates a whole new generation of seeds which go through the same process. That is the cyclic action of the universe that we live in. And that is what is happening right now. We are... We are moving through that darkness. We are moving through that coldness. We are that seed that is pushing up towards that barrier that separates the air from the ground. We are pushing into the light of day of the newborn sun. And we will have our time to blossom. We have to understand that that's where we're at and that's why we are here. We are here to make that progression. We are here to make that move to the next stage in our development as a species as spiritual beings, as conscious beings, as God's children here on this planet. And so that's why I say, don't worry, be happy. We will survive because we wouldn't be here right now if that wasn't the case. We are here for a purpose. And when you embrace your purpose, you shine like you've never shone before. I assure you. I absolutely love that, dude. Uh, I make it a point every day to enjoy, enjoy myself, enjoy the moment, take care of myself and not to sweat, not to 
stress. I stress every fucking day. <laughs> well, over the things I can't control, I'm not going to. I stress, but you know what I mean. I, I try to enjoy my life, even though we are experiencing what we're experiencing: World War Three, financial collapse, social mm-hmm. destabilization, just political nonsense. All of it. You still have to take a moment. Do, and do enjoy you uh, yourself. have you ever heard that? Uh, <clears throat> there's there's this. Uh, I guess a parable, a riddle out there of the college professor who's got the jar. I don't think I have heard this. Okay. So the college professor has got a jar and he begins to fill the jar with a whole bunch of golf balls. And he looks at the class and says, is this jar full? And everybody in the class is like, yeah, the jar is full. Then he takes marbles and he fills the same jar with the golf balls full of marbles. He says, is the jar full now? And they go, yeah, yeah, the jar is definitely full. Then he picks up some sand. He dumps the sand in. And the sand fills up the bottle. And he goes, is the jar full? They go, yes, the jar is definitely full now. Then he takes water. And he dumps water into the bottle. And he goes, what about now? Is now the water full? Or now the bottle full? Everybody in the class is like, yeah. And he goes, do you guys understand the moral of the story? Is if you put the water or the sand in the jar first, there would have been no room for the golf balls or the marbles. Don't fret in your life with the small stuff. Don't fill your mind with all the small stuff because there'll be no room to emotionally handle the big stuff in life. And that's right, is things that are outside of your control, you should not allow to control or dominate or dictate your emotion. I heard another one, too. It was really cool. Um, it was, uh, oh, man, I, I got it, too. The, the, the kid in the three things. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remember it here in a little bit. It's a good one, though. All right. Share it when you got it. I'll share it when I get it. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's good to remind people of this every once in a while that, you know, don't wear the weight of the world on your shoulders. Don't be, don't be sad because you filled your jar, right, with sand first. Don't fill your sandwich jar first. You know, Buddha used to say is empty your cup. Your cup is your mind. And every day you must empty that cup. You know what happens uh, if you put mud into a cup of water and stir it up? It mixes. It what? muddies the water. Yeah. Now, what happens if you let that cup sit and settle in silence? It separates. It all goes down to the bottom. And that water becomes crystal clear. Hmm. Oh, I remember it. I remember it. I remember it now. <laughs> yes, aha I remember. aha moment. Kind of like an aha moment. I guess. So a little boy goes up to his father and asks his father, what's the value of my life? Wow. And the father says, I want you to do something for me. Here's a stone. I want you to take this stone to the local market and tell somebody it's for sale. And the first person that asks you how much it is, all I want you to do is hold up two fingers. And so the little boy goes to the market and he's walking around, he's walking around and he sees a woman and she goes, I, I really like that stone. I would like to buy that stone from you. She goes, how much do you want for it? And he holds up his fingers. She goes, oh, $2. 
And the boy's all excited, and he, he, he takes the stone and runs home to his father and goes, Father, a, a lady just offered me $2 for this rock. The father's like, wow, that, that, that's awesome. That's great. He goes, now I want you to go to the museum. And I want you to do the same thing and see if the museum wants to buy the rock. But when they ask you how much, you put your fingers up like this. And so the son goes to the museum. And he's in the museum and he finds a gentleman. The gentleman's like, I would really like to buy that rock. That's an amazing specimen there. He goes, how much do you want for it? And the son holds up his two fingers and the guy goes, $200. Okay, I'll give you $200 for that rock. And the son, all excited, grabs the rock and runs home and tells his father that this guy just offered me $200 for the rock. Father goes, ah, now I want you to go to the gemologist. I want you to go to the gem store. I want you to do the same thing and see if they want to buy that rock. And so he takes it into the city and he goes to the gem store and he's in there and the, the gemologist is looking at the rock and goes, oh my God, where did you get that? That is one of the rarest rocks on the planet. That is an amazing specimen. I want to buy it from you. How much do you want for it? And he holds up his two fingers and the guy goes, $200,000. Okay, I will buy that rock. And the son runs home all excited and goes, father, father, this guy's going to give me $200,000 for this rock. And he goes, ah, and the father takes the rock. It's not for sale. The father looks at the son and says, what did you learn? And the son's kind of like all confused. And he goes that the, the cost of a rock can vary depending upon who you're trying to sell it to. And he goes, yes, the same thing with you. The value of your life is not determined by the people that you hang out with. But, well, sorry, that the value of your life is determined by the quality of the people that you hang out with who know your value. In the market, it was $2 worth of value. At the museum, it was $200 worth of value. At the gemologist, it was priceless. And the value of your life, the value that you bring to this world is, is not determined by anybody specifically, but... Is a, is a representation of the people that you choose to be around, you choose to hang out with, because they're the only ones that truly are going to see the value in you. It's kind of interesting, I think. That's pretty neat. Yeah. That your value comes about from the people that you surround yourself with. And so why would you want to hang out with people who think you're worth $2? Yeah. Much rather hang out with the people who believe I'm priceless. And I'd rather hang out with priceless people. Those unique non-NPC characters in this virtual <laughs> simulation. <laughs> yeah, dude. You Amen know, to that. So tomorrow night we're doing conversations on the fringe with me and David Whitehead. We're going over the occult origins or the symbolic interpretation of uh, Jupiter Ascending. And then yes. we're going into the royal bloodlines. Uh, King Charles, Terra Carta. So I watched Jupiter Ascending last night. Oh, I might have to watch it again today, yeah. dude. And I started to realize something, and I don't know oh. if anybody... So, okay, firstly, who wrote or who directed and produced Jupiter Ascending? Do you know who this is? I don't know. So it was the Wachowski sisters, not the Wachowski... It was oh. Wachowski brothers who had sex changes, Wachowski sisters. The same yeah. people who did The Matrix. Yes. Okay. Look at the technology that they utilize in Jupiter Ascending with the spacecraft and with going down to the planets. 
It's digital. Now, they right. refer to the universe in the beginning of the movie as the verse. Yeah. In this verse, these people control it, right? The verse. So the technology that they use is very digitized. There's strong indications that Jupiter ascending is just another matrix. Now, think about it. Reborn again, genetic recurrence, Neo, Jupiter ascending. So that makes sense. Yep. That they're not that the universe that they're talking about is a digital simulation. And by the way, in the mother, and I'm going to talk about all this tomorrow, the mother, the queen was killed yeah. because she learned the truth and her son killed her for it. What was the truth? Now, mm. it's meant to believe that the truth is that, uh, you know, for, for 90,000 years, she had been slaughtering human lives to basically live longer. And all of a sudden she comes to a conscious moment. No, she learned the truth about reality. It, it, oh. I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But oh, the, I can't wait. And David Whitehead said he watched it multiple times since we told him about it. Shout yeah. Out to Roxy for really pushing him. I'm going to, I'm going to watch it again tonight. I'm going to take notes tonight. So, okay. A few too. I got to get through that. Moonfall's good. Oh my God. If you guys have not watched Moonfall, watch Moonfall. So Moonfall is really good. I I didn't think I was going to like it. And then buddy out there is like, Dude, have you watched Moonfall? I'm like, no. He goes, dude, it's your theories. It's everything you've been saying on Fringe. I'm like, what? He goes, watch it. And I I watched it, and I'm like, whoa. that was. It's kind of, uh, eh. I mean, it's Hollywoody, but the storyline and narrative was was awesome. And there's going to be a part two, apparently. I'm 25 minutes through. I got, uh, that's how much I got to watch today, but I'll work on it this weekend. All right, so. And one of the other things I'm going to go back and watch is Black Mirror. If you guys haven't seen Black Mirror, if you still have Netflix, it's um, you need to watch it because everything that they're talking about is coming to reality. It is happening right now. <laughs> um, so how are you guys doing? I'm sorry I had a little, uh, you know, almost a half an hour kind of like discussion just shooting the shit. But I think that's okay every once in a while because you know what? Listen, we can't have doom and gloom every night. We can't be talking about the the perils of the world because... You know, it's uh, it's going to bring you down. So it's good to talk about other things every once in a while. And I hope that I made some of you guys smile tonight or, or whatever. Um, a few things. A few things. Tomorrow, Conversations on the Fringe. That is at uh, 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is with me and David Whitehead. A special episode of Conversations on the Fringe, Saturday night. Put this on your calendars. Saturday Saturday night. 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, a special broadcast of Conversations on the Fringe with myself and the legend himself, Max Egan. If you guys don't know Max Egan in the Crow House, I recommend you go check him out. Um, he, We've had him on the show before. It was a Thursday afternoon. Um, Max Egan is probably one of my favorite people in the world. He's so kind-hearted. He was the one when I was telling him about... Um, you know, about you don't know what you don't know. He goes, no, no, man. You're remembering. I remember this. I'm like, no, no. Well, you, you don't know what you don't know. And we're continuously discovering. Evolution is the discovery of what you don't know you don't know. He goes, no. You're remembering. 
And, and he was very <laughs> adamant about it. And it took me a few seconds to get it. Okay. But um, there's a lot of stuff going on with 5G. There's a lot of stuff with these people. Oh, by the way, oh, this, this, I, I hit on this today during a show I was on. Okay. Okay. Do you remember the video from China with the people looking to the right and all of a sudden fighting stuff off and going down in seizures and dying? Yeah. Travis Scott concert. Do you yeah. remember the live stream videos of the Travis Scott concert of the people having seizures? What happened? Same really? fucking thing. No, I don't remember, but... Yep. We were watching it live. We were all in our group text. We were sending it out, and people were watching it live on Twitter, live streaming it, and there was video of people having seizures. What happened? Uh, and they had a seizure. It was the same thing as the Travis Scott concert. Creepy. Not creepy. 5G, 5G weaponization. And by the way, if you don't know Max Egan, he's been saying this since like 2010. He's done documentary videos on it. So we're going to talk a lot about 5G, 5G weaponization, these types of things. We're also going to talk about consciousness and a lot of other things. So it's going to be a great awesome. show Saturday night with Max Egan. Um, potentially going uh, – so Brad Olson, if you guys remember Brad Olson from Conversations on the Fringe. Yeah, I remember him. Um, he's in town. He's over in Boulder. So I'm, I'm going to try to get out. He's uh, – we're seeing if he can get me some passes for the uh, the Ancient Civilizations event that he's at, he's speaking at Saturday and Sunday. It's in Boulder, hosted by Gaia. Um, Billy Carson's there. So I'm going to wow. try to get out there, see if I can get Billy Carson to come on the show and stuff. That'd be pretty cool. But I think me and Brad are going to probably meet up Sunday. Or He wanted to meet up Saturday night, but I got the show with Max. He's um, such a good guy, dude. He's just oh, like, he's awesome. he reminds me of like, um, I, this could just totally be wrong. I don't know him personally, but he reminds me of like, uh, like a frat boy, like a partier, like he's just but he's a cool completely guy. awake. I know. Yeah, he's an he's awesome dude. Cool. <laughs> okay, so we got that, and then tonight we have you know a lot of stuff. We're gonna get into the news right now, so I apologize if people are like, man, where's the news, dude? I just want to hear the news. You're my news source. I'm yeah. sorry. I just wanted. To, I wanted to get a lot of it. I like to talk every once in a while. I just came off of a show with Mel Carmine. If you guys don't know who he is on uh, YouTube. Uh, he did an interview with me. Absolute awesome show. Great dude. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. I just kind of did my whole red pill rendition from start to finish. I did with Tartaria. Uh, but it was a great show. That should be airing here very, very soon. Uh, what, did, what did Roxy say? Watch anything in movies, Stranger Things, etc. People being possessed, taken over, body invaded, etc. Then um, happens through their head. Yep. I, uh, I've watched the whole thing of Stranger Things. You're, yeah. Ugh. I, I think I honestly think we live in a simulation. I, I'm, I'm starting to think that we live in a simulation. I think I'm starting to think we live in a simulation. Yeah, I saw that video of that girl walking her dog, take off her mask, pick up the dog crap, and then put it in the bin, and then put her mask back on. And I'm like, NPC, we're in a simulation. NPCs. <laughs> <Is this> real? <laughs> oh, and Lolo's back. I haven't seen Lolo in a while. Lolo. Lolo. All right, so. We have uh, a lot of things happening. Battle of the Streams. This is a, uh, a way to help support the Red Pill Project, alternative media. Oh, I wanted to get that announcement out as well. Um, that's kind of where you guys can just send us donations, and it's much appreciated. We announce a winner every night, so it's competition between all DLive, Pilled, and Rumble. Much appreciated on that end. Um, I wanted to give a shout-out to Rumble. To Rumble, we just hit... Um, how much was it, Vince? Hold on, let me find... Uh, 13,400 subscribers on Rumble. 
So that is absolutely fantastic. My mind is blown because we started this year with a less than 4,000 on Rumble. And now we've almost added 10,000 people on Rumble. I want to give a shout out to Facebook. Everybody on Facebook that's loving, that's liking, loving, sharing, commenting. You guys were absolutely amazing. We've blown up on Facebook the last few months. We had um, we're, we just hit 16,000 subscribers on Facebook. Um, so <laughs> you guys are amazing. We hit 53,000 on our audio podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So all the love out there to you guys. I think we're at a little over what two or three thousand on D Live, but our, our audience has grown massively over the last uh, few months. So much appreciated to everybody out there who's subscribing, who's hitting that subscribe button. Um, you're just you know reminding us that we're doing it well, um, and I appreciate that. You know it, it's not easy talking about these topics, especially when a lot of them have to do with you know global economic collapse, World War III, and Holocaust, and all these things. But that's the reality we live in, and that's why we're all here together as this Red Pill family, because this Red Pill family has come together on the social Red Pill and these other platforms as kind of like the support organization for everybody. This is what we talk about a lot on these Zooms and stuff like that. You know, what are we going to do when, you know, the flu comes around and people start passing away from their suppressed immune systems, you know, and we, we stay strong and, and a lot of us have lost friends and family. And so, you know, I find it important that we collaborate together, that we communicate together. And that's the beautiful thing about people out there subscribing. And so thank you so much for subscribing and staying up to date with everything that we do here at the Red Pill Project. All right, let's get into the news. Dum, bum, 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 bum. The news. I, don't know, I, was looking, I was looking to see if I had like, uh, any cool, uh, <laughs> go ahead. Do you want to hit the battle of the streams before we get jump into it? Yeah, we can do that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let's, let me play this. I'm big Mike Obama and I approve this message. <laughs> Gundy's the best, isn't he? I love Gundy. Gundy. We miss you, Gundy. Oh, All right. Well. Battle of the streams. Jenica just donated one diamond. Thank you so much. Uh, Vince's audio is super low. low. Okay. I can, I think I can turn you up. Um, RPG3573 donated one ice cream. Thank you so much, RPG. Enlightened Science donated one ice cream. Thank you so much, Enlightened Science. RMUAFC2 gifted a cookie. Thank you for everything you do, Josh Vince. I'm glad you're back. Thank you so much, RMU. Mez gifted a cookie. Normal. It is not coming back, but Jesus is. Well, we will see. And you know what? It, it, it Jesus is going to come back in one form or another. Vader369 gifted the shades. Punch, punch, punch. American flag, American flag, American flag. Thank you so much, Vader. White Trash Lady is celebrating a four-month subscribe streak. Thank you so much, uh, White Trash Lady. Karen Hair 7 gifted a cookie. Thank you so much, Karen Hair. Car Harley Quinn 369 just followed. Thank you uh, so much, Harley Quinn. Welcome to the show. All right. And we tend to get a little fringy every once in a while during the weekdays. But on Friday nights, man, we really take it home. Pop, pop, boom. And this Friday is going to be good. Friday and Saturday night are going to be absolutely awesome this week. Uh, Vince doesn't know it, but next Friday he's probably going to host because I will be out of town. But uh, <laughs> You got it. <laughs> well, I got to go to I got to go back to Minnesota, house hunt, get stuff moved out there and start getting organized. I'll, so I'll start preparing. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right. Let's jump into the news here, where everybody's really waiting for. Tom Cotton, conservatives should oppose media cartel bill, cartel bill that will lead to more censorship. See, they're trying to sneak this one in there, and I don't think people realize truly what this was. Senator Tom Cotton 
Republican from Arkansas said on Wednesday that conservatives should oppose Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, the JCPA, because it will lead to more censorship. The JCPA lets the media form a cartel to negotiate with big tech. Conservatives who should oppose special treatment for favored industries and a cartel will lead to more censorship. Republicans should vote no on the JCPA, Cotton said in a statement. So basically, Ted Cruz, by the way, has caved on this and is now supporting this bill. What this bill does is this allows the media organizations to collaborate with data, data analytics, with information on uh, on the happening events and the narrative that they're perpetuating with big tech. What does this mean? Goodbye, alternative media. See, the mainstream media is under heavy attack and scrutiny right now for basically making up stories, propagating false narratives, disinformation, propaganda, whatever it might be, okay? Yeah. And they're mad because they're losing billions of dollars to a whole new industry that derived around 2016 with the catchphrase of fake news. We're a part of that. This is alternative media. This is what we do for a living. This is what a lot of people are doing for a living right now. And here's the thing is people are absolutely loving it, loving the fact that they get their information from real people just like them who are seeing things maybe in just a different perspective or from the same perspective. This is the beautiful thing about what we do here. We have taken over the information war. We have taken back information into the control of people who care about the evolution of the people and the progression of this country in the state of freedom. Okay? Yeah. So what this bill does is basically allows big tech to censor you and me because we're not propagating the proper information that the mainstream media is putting out there. Think about that. Because mainstream media is losing followers, they want to basically go in there and hook up with uh, the big tech daddies. They want to censor people like you and me because we don't propagate. This is nothing more than nationalization of big tech and mainstream media. Okay, nationalization, what does that mean? That's fascism. That's where we're headed right now. That's what these bills are. And this is what the Democrats are going to do. They're going to try to push as much legislation as possible before the midterms because there's a possibility that they don't win. Yeah, they don't want information spreading either because if the people don't consent, well, they're not going to succeed. Yep. But if they trick everybody, they might have a chance. That's it. And then here we go here. Whistleblower identified FBI special agent Steve Friend goes public exposed discussing FBI lies and unprecedented attacks on conservative Americas. And now we're seeing arrest Chris Ray. Now, has everybody seen these videos that mainstream media is doing on Q? Uh, I saw an article that was published about a week and a half ago, and the characterizations of Q were totally nonsensical and baloney. Oh. Um, they, yeah, they, I've seen a couple hit pieces. They don't get shit. They, they don't know shit of what they're talking about. <laughs> they're like, the storm is when all the pedophile people in the pedophile rings get arrested. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Steve Friend came out. If you remember, Project Veritas leaked some FBI documents with the symbology of a used and uh, militia violent extremists and domestic violent extremists. 
And they had like things like the Gadsden flag, the Betsy Ross flag, things like this in there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that leaked this information. So if you put start putting all of this together, basically, and by the way, he was also one of the FBI agents that was told to go out there and manipulate information on conservatives, to produce information on conservatives, and he declined to do it. Um, if you remember the February 2022 document that was released from the Department of Homeland Security, the bulletin, the National Threat Advisory System bulletin that came out and listed people in the alternative media who propagate anything that's counteractive of the government narrative as propagandists, as domestic extremists. And they gave examples, people who think that the 2020 election was stolen, people who think that the coronavirus is a bioweapon, people who think that the the jab, the vaccine is a bioweapon, people who think that Russia is, uh, you know, justified in their invasion of Ukraine. These types of people are domestic terrorists. OK, this has escalated since then, especially with certain executive orders from president, from acting belligerent occupation, President Joe Biden. But. What we're seeing is that a narrative is being built by the various weaponized functions, administrations of our government to come after conservatives at the right time. When is the right time? When we contest the the election results of the midterm election. That's the right time that they're going to come after us because we know that they're going to go out there and try to steal it. So this is really good that Steve, uh, Special Agent Steve Friend comes out and goes public. I think, uh, how long is the video? It's three minutes. Let's watch the video with Tucker. I think this will be good. Let's check it out. A whistleblower from within the FBI recently revealed that the Biden administration is manipulating the way January 6th case files are maintained. The goal of this is to create the illusion, the false sense that there is a tidal wave of right-wing domestic terrorism all over the country. But it's a lie, because there isn't. Miranda Devine of the New York Post has identified this FBI whistleblower and spoken directly to him. She joins us tonight. Miranda, thanks so much for coming on. What did you learn? Thanks, Tucker. Well, I learned that Stephen Friend, FBI special agent still serving, who was suspended on Monday, is an American hero. Uh, You know, he had the dream job. He's been with the FBI for 12 years. He's a SWAT team member. But he just could not live with his conscience after he was dragged off these very important child uh, porn, child exploitation, human trafficking investigations that he was working on and put on these really bogus January 6 cases that just serve to, uh, I guess, back up the rhetoric that we're hearing from the White House that domestic terrorism is the the worst uh, threat to America um, since the Civil War. And so uh, he could see from on the ground how the FBI Washington field office was manipulating these cases to try and uh, expand and pretend that the, the problem was bigger than it was. And he also uh, didn't want to participate in what raids on um, people who had just uh, were being, you know, accused of misdemeanors at worst, uh, innocent American citizens. And, uh, you know, they were being told to investigate people who hadn't even gone to Washington, D.C. that day. In one case, a man had been at his son's funeral that day, uh, yet he had FBI agents knocking on his door. People were being surveilled. Um, This is just such an abuse of their civil rights. And Steve Friend stood up and said, I will not do this. He did everything the right 
way. He complained to his, uh, all his supervisors. He told them what FBI rules were being violated and what policies were not being followed and what constitutional rights of American citizens were being abused. And he was ignored. He was threatened. And he's now, this afternoon, filed a whistleblower complaint with the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz. Um, and he's also been talking to Senator Chuck Grassley and some of the Republicans uh, about his complaints. And he um, is there. You see his photograph online, 37-year-old man, father of two young children. Uh, it took a lot of courage to do this at great risk to himself and uh, blowing up a career he loved. It's, it's baffling that he's the one being punished when he didn't do anything wrong. And I hope that there are many more whistleblowers like him. I've got to think a lot of FBI agents are, are very yeah. distressed. Yeah, well, good. Um, All right, so that is what Tucker had to say on that. And, you know, this guy is an American hero. He is coming out against the deep state. He's coming out against the tyranny and oppression that's being perpetuated on this world. And that's absolutely awesome. And we need more people like that. And apparently... Grasley and Jordan, they have a lot more. There's apparently about 17 to 20 FBI whistleblowers who have came forth. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And uh, thank you to everybody who's just really sucked it up and made these hard decisions that throw a wrench into your life and by design. Mm -hmm. um, if everybody was a coward, I think we'd be a way, in a way worse position than we are in now. So God. we need these people. Yep, and so here's another good piece of news. Huge GOP lawmaker obtains new documents that show Joe and Hunter Biden working to sell U.S. natural gas and drilling assets to China. Has whistleblowers who will testify. Yeah, well, what about that Bob, what's that guy, that whistleblower that came out? Bob Lukanowski or whatever his name is. I know who you're Bob talking Lewski? about. Bob Lewski, that's it. Well, well, listen to this one. Let's, let, let's, let's take a listen to this. My understanding is you have a cooperating witness, a whistleblower, and some new documents showing an effort by the entire Biden family to help China get its hands on drilling assets and natural gas assets from the United States. Tell us what you know. Well, what we know is that Hunter Biden's company, Hudson West, was negotiating a deal with the Chinese energy company, CEGC, to not only purchase American natural gas, but also to try to start purchasing interest in American drillers for natural gas. So they could start to take control of the American natural gas industry through the drillers. Now, now think about this, John, the president has sold our strategic oil reserves to China. And now we find out that the president's son was working to try to get China's foot in the door on natural gas. Can you imagine if something happens and uh, China owns all the drillers and we run out of natural gas and, and potentially have a gas shortage, but we don't have any strategic reserve because it's all gone to China at the hands of the Biden family? Uh, but what's Real. even worse is with this company, Hudson West, uh, we also learned that Hunter Biden was communicating with the Chinese to uh, have office space in Washington, D.C., and he needed four keys. He needed one for himself. He needed one for Jim Biden, the president's brother. And get this, he needed two more, one for Joe Biden and one for Jill Biden. So this wow. is starting to prove that Joe Biden was involved directly with Hunter Biden's shady business dealings with our adversary, China. Unreal. Wow. Yeah. 
All right, sir. So let me um, let me ask this a follow up. Uh, beyond the documents which you've done, I understand you might have one or more witnesses that are corroborating what went on and filling in the blanks in the documents. Is that true? That's true. We have two whistleblowers, and I'm confident they're going to come forward in a Republican majority uh, when I can conduct the hearings and I have the gavel for oversight to tell us in detail what their objectives were. And these people were associates of Hunter Biden. And the ultimate goal, and the Bidens knew this, was for China to start to take ownership in all the different parts of the natural gas industry in the United States. All right. I want everybody to go back to an episode just a few days ago. When I was talking about October 8th and the liability that Joe Biden is to the deep state, to the radical liberals, and to China. What did I say was going to happen when the Republicans take the majority? They need a fall guy. Well, they're going to investigate Hunter Biden's business dealings, and Joe Biden is going to be crash down to the ground, of which Joe Biden becomes a liability not only for the Democrats, the deep state, the cabal, China, but he becomes a liability for his own family. And that maybe he... And if he was offered... To protect a, himself. Ah, there it is. And, and this is kind of where I'm going to veer off for a second. Okay, I want to expand on this. So I, I and, and I know this is completely speculative. I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate speculative. Donald Trump left Joe Biden a letter when he left the White House. Joe Biden was asked about the letter, and Joe Biden said it was a very generous letter. What type of generous letter would Donald Trump leave Joe Biden? A fucking pardon for him and his family. Do the right thing at the right time, Joe. They're going to 25th Amendment you to get you out of office before the midterms. You bring me back before that happens. I will give you a full pardon. Okay? Now, I know this is highly unrealistic. Okay? But it just keep it in your mind. All right? Now, what evidence do we have that there is some type of special military program that Donald Trump potentially set up before he left office? The Mar-a-Lago raid. <clears throat> okay, Mar-a-Lago raid, that's one. But it's the fact that Mike Lindell, Patrick Burns, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood all visited the White House in December, around December 20th. And they sat down and came up with a plan to basically investigate the 2020 election result with a special prosecutor who was appointed that night, who was Sidney Powell. The next morning, Donald Trump rescinded her credentials after apparently a communication with Rudy Giuliani who said, don't do it. Now, I think that this was all one big setup. And this is what I want to show you. I was going through some documents, and this, is, um, this document specifically is um, the Information Security Oversight Office, the ISOO. And this is Presidential Executive Order 13526. Okay? Now, Executive Order yeah. 13526... Order prescribes a uniform system for classifying, safeguarding, and declassifying national security information, including information relating to defense against transnational terrorism. Okay? Okay. This was signed by Barack Obama. I was scrolling through it, and I saw something. I go, that's interesting. I want to read that. And this is what I saw. Section 4.3, Special Access Programs. 
Establishment of special access programs unless otherwise authorized by the president, unless otherwise authorized by the president, only the secretaries of state, defense, energy, and homeland security, an attorney general, and the director of national intelligence, or the principal deputy of each may create a special access program. For special access programs pertaining to intelligence sources, methods, and activities, but not including military, operational, strategic, or and tactical programs, this function shall be exercised by the Director of National Intelligence. So the Director of National Intelligence, right, could not be included in military, operational, strategic, or tactical programs. These officials shall keep the number of these programs at absolute minimum, shall establish them only when the program is required by statute or upon specific findings. What are these findings, may you ask? The vulnerability of or threat to specific information is exceptional. Hmm. The normal criteria for determining eligibility for access applicable to information classified at the same level or not deemed sufficient to protect the information from our access. Requirement of limitation. Special access programs shall be limited to programs in which the number of persons who ordinarily will have access will be reasonably small and commensurate with the objective providing enhanced protection for the information involved. Each agency head shall establish and maintain a system of accountability for the special access programs. Okay. So... Basically, these department heads can create a special access program when a vulnerability to or a threat to national security arises. Understand that. Now, John Ratcliffe was the director of national intelligence between May 26, 2020 to January 20th, 2021. Okay, director of national intelligence. Multiple indications that Ratcliffe, oh, that's the wrong one, that Ratcliffe, Trump's director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, delays a report on foreign interference in the election and battles analysts on beef up criticisms of China. He eventually came out and said China did interfere with our elections, but the, the report was delayed till after the January 6th confirmation. Now, before the election, John Ratcliffe was saying China, Russia, North Korea, Iran are all interfering with our election continuously. In a December 4th interview, one month after the election, John Ratcliffe said specifically, um, he was asked by Catherine Hedridge, which is follow the pen. He was asked, she said, is there any evidence of election fraud? He goes, we have seen nothing yet, but we are still, he says, but we have just started going through the data. Okay. Now this is the form, the report, the DNI report. Okay. But he says it specifically. If you remember, um, the head of cyber command said that they were watching everything that night. Well, it takes a long time to go through all that data. Now the DNI report was delayed multiple times because the 17 intelligence agencies who provided the data couldn't agree on the threat analysis. Basically they couldn't come to a determination that the threat that China actually hacked our elections was significant enough to change the outcome. Um, even though Ratcliffe basically said it did. Now Ratcliffe said in that December 4th interview that they were going through all the data. They had all the data. Okay. Now if you're DNI, Okay, if you're a director of national intelligence, you're appointed by Trump that same year for a specific reason. Okay? Right. And you're seeing all this information come and you're realizing that the intelligence community is not going to do the right thing. What are you going to do? 
special access program. I'm going to create a special access program because I'm seeing some vulnerabilities and threats within this information that just doesn't seem right. I'm seeing a a a a system that is being broken down, infiltration within our government. I'm going to create a special access program. Now, what's interesting is there is also another guy that was appointed to his position in 2019. And he left in 2021. His name is General Dan Kane or General Dan Raisin Kane. And he was the director of special access program, central office, the United uh, Office of the Undersecretary of Defense for acquisition and sustainment. So he was the financier that oversaw all of the special access programs. So that means that he could have created a special access program. Donald Trump could have created a special access program. Ratcliffe could have created it. Chris Miller could have created it. Interesting. Okay. Okay. This is news to me. Well, it's kind of just an ex- expansion of what we've already talked about, but I want yeah, people I, to get this idea it. that if people are looking at this data and they see that, hey, there's something here, okay, and other people in the intelligence community are like, nah, it's, it's nothing. I wouldn't worry about it. That person can go, uh, no, no, like literally there's something here. We have all the data. And that person can go out there and create a special access program. He can, let, let's say that John Kane and John Ratcliffe came together and said, hey, look, there's something going on here. Yep, there's definitely something going on here. Let's create a special access program. Give me 10 guys that you trust. Give me a special investigator. Let's go out and get someone and let's give them the data and let them make the determination. And this is why Trump stood down just 14 days later with Sidney Powell because he had already been informed there is most likely a special investigation going on through a special access program. And that's why he removed her credentials. And that investigation, I do believe, is still going on. Interesting, dude. I don't know. It's just a theory. It works. I'm speculative. Yeah. All right, let's jump into more news here. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warns unemployment will rise with rising rates. I've been saying this for months. We said that 54% of blue chip CEOs came out and said what specifically? That they're going to be doing layoffs within the next six months. You're going to say layoffs, which means that potentially a lot of people you know or even you could be out, out without a job. And so what I always tell people, have a backup plan. Have three to six months of money in your savings. Have gold and silver because it's going to increase as inflation increases. But have a secondary skill set that you can back yourself up on. Because there's going to be very limited jobs coming up here in the future, especially if the globalists get their way. All right. Absolutely. And it's already, nobody can fill the positions already. There's already shortages of workers in a lot of industries. It's, it's, yep. it's just, it's uh, the perfect storm. Yep. Now, Democrats and Republicans don't give a shit about you. I've said this multiple times. Here, I want you to listen to it. This is the oversight of U.S. Bank's House Financial Services Committee, okay, Congress. Listen to what they talk about here. The gentleman from Indiana, Mr. Hollingsworth, is now recognized for five minutes. Well, good afternoon. I'm excited to be here with each of you. Before I get started on my questions, Mr. Moynihan, I wanted to let you know, Saruthi, raise your hand, Saruthi. She has been my team member for a couple of years now, but on Monday, she becomes a Bank of America team member, about which she is very, very excited. So I hope you'll take good care of her and know and recognize the talent that she has shown already in our office. I'm sure she'll do the same at Bank of America. 
We will do that, and her father already works for us, so he'll oh, take care of it. You should have called us. <laughs> um, we're good. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to chat about some of these issues today. What I'm really interested in is the state of the economy. How are you floating your resume to big banks? I mean, you're supposed to be the ones, you know, policing the big banks. Grow I mean, up, Jamie. There must be some kind of law against working for a financial institution right after you've been working in financial regulation, right? No. No. Hey! Doggy! Hey! Come over here! What are you doing at Caesar's? He's a goldman. Yeah. Her father already works for us, so he'll oh, take care of it. You should have called us. <laughs> uh, and Hollinsworth, by the way, is a Republican. These are the same people that there was one report that came out that Democrats and Republicans have basically won big on a lot of the financial dips that have been happening. And they're congressmen and they're senators. Guys, we're all being played. The whole system needs to be removed. Did you did you see that um, Bernie Sanders, the uh, the Gallup poll that Bernie Sanders was talking about in Congress yesterday, in Senate yesterday? Did you see this? No. There's a video on TikTok about it, and it's Bernie Sanders talking about the Gallup poll um, that came out about congressional approval. Only 16 percent of the population approve of Congress. That means 84% disapprove. And Bernie Sanders was being very serious. And he goes, and you know, out of, uh, out of this 84%, 50%, 50% believe that they will have to take up arms against Congress. He said this? Yes. That, that the government is so corrupt and doing in such the wrong direction that they're going to have to remove them with arms. This is Bernie Sanders saying this. I don't trust him. I think he's trying to lead people into a trap. Listen, you know, Bernie might be a commie, but he's a traditional commie, okay? <laughs> he, he, okay. He, he truly believes in communism. <laughs> he doesn't want yeah. the centralization of power, okay? okay? That's why he's not president. Right. That's why he didn't win the nomination, because Bernie is 100% true to his word. I'm a communist. Yep. I Redistributed all to the people. Part. I think that he had a strategic part in... Um, BLM and the unfolding that we saw over the last few years. Well, he knows uh, how to get an audience. Well, he knows how to get an audience, and he gathered an audience for BLM in Seattle uh, when he was going around. Remember when they came in? I was there that day mm -hmm. in downtown Seattle, and Bernie Sanders gets a crowd going. He gets up on stage, and then BLM jumps up there and takes the mic from him and takes over his speech. Mm -hmm. I think that was all planned, but that's Probably. just me. Well, and, and you know, getting of all this. Yeah, well, communism is coming, man. And it is. It's here. How about this right here? This is my state. Denver set uh, to give 140 homeless people up to twelve thousand dollars in cash as part of basic income program. Fifty percent of those people will be dead of fentanyl overdoses. Yeah, more free giveaways and money printing. Yep, Not that's good. right. Now, on a side note, though, Colorado has a surplus tax system. And so when there's an excess amount of tax that comes in that is over the budgetary requirements, they give that money back to the people. So what they've done is they've taken money out of that surplus and they're utilizing it to help the homeless. Now, I really don't have a problem with that. I, I we're And by the way, taxes in Colorado are not bad. 
I don't like taxes, period. But they're not bad. There's county taxes, sales tax is really expensive, like 10%. But federal uh, state income tax is less than, like, it's like 3%. And so it doesn't, it's not bad at all. But I actually agree with those types of social programs. And the reason is because, well, for actual real social programs, when you actually have homeless people who have had a shitty life or a shitty opportunity or whatever's happened in their life, they just weren't, you know, they're indoctrinated into the wrong system, whatever, they're homeless and they just want a second chance. I agree with those types of programs for that. When there is a budget surplus, when you have excess money in the system and the people agree with it and you can give that money to the people. I don't agree with global basic yeah. income. I think they have to be strategic with the programs in order to solve this problem, though. Did you ever hear my solution if I ran for governor of Colorado, what I was going to do? For homelessness? Yeah. What? So what I was going to do is reappropriate all the city blocks that we have that are basically empty. Um, so go through each town, neighborhood, and city. And if you ever notice, like, when you're at, like, an intersection of a street or something like that, and there's, like, an L or a right turn or left turn, majority of those city blocks are basically empty, at least here in Colorado. And what we would do is we would take that public land and we would pardon off it with a whole bunch of tiny houses and we would build small little communities for the homeless. Now, the way that the homeless would get into this community is you'd have the tiny home, you'd have solar, electric, cable, TV, everything like this would all be paid for. But what would happen is the backyard would be a small little greenhouse to where they would learn the various appropriate skills to go out there and grow their own food. And any excess food would be utilized in a farmer's market collaboration with these people to sell back to the community to start earning money and start businesses. And it basically becomes a rehabilitation program. So they'd have to go through like a, a, a two-week kind of rehabilitation program to understand what they're getting into, what is required of them, because it's not free. They actually have to go out there. They have to, you know, clean their house. They have to do these things, right? They have to take responsibility for who they are, but they're also learning valuable skill sets. And within this little community, you're going to get various different people. You're going to get the person who's the gardener, who you're going to get the person who cleans houses, the person who cooks food. You're going to start seeing all these various skill sets start to rise up and people being a part of a community. Because most most people, when they think about it like this, is human beings are pack animals, right? Yeah. We, we, we need to be in a tribe or a pack. We need to belong. And a lot of these people that go into um, homelessness, right, they, they're suffering from severe depression, drug abuse, or whatever, but they've been abandoned. They've been abandoned by their pack. And a lot of these people, what they need is they really need that companionship. They need that that camaraderie, they need to be brought back into a pack mentality. When you have that happen, you're going to have that separation of skill sets that is going to bring it be brought about. And you're going to see where people's weaknesses and strengths are and leaders will rise up. Yeah, it would work. Oh, it would work. It won't work for 100% of them, but it would probably be good for a lot of them. I'm trying to think where it is. Now I can't remember the country. There's a country that already does this. Oh. And they have 0% homeless. It's like Iceland or something. Oh. And they have like 0% homeless. And what they do is they bring people back into the pack. They bring them so, into a collaboration. I think that just doing that would, um, not to shit on your idea, I think it's good, but I think that there are fundamental uh, ground level things that we have to address first yeah. as well or simultaneously. Well, that's the two weeks of rehabilitation. 
drug um, abuse, I alcohol need, abuse. Uh, we need to secure the borders. We need to. Oh well. Oh no no no. Yeah yeah. yeah. You, you, you're you're talking about federal stuff. I'm talking about the state and local level. I'm talking about townships, mayors. I'm talking about governors of a state. These types of things to where you implement these types of projects. Because here's the thing: is that type of project done in a state at the state level? Okay, that state would be massively successful in everything they do. I'm telling you, they would. Because once you eliminate that causation of homelessness, the amount of crime and, and, and amount of crime and violence and everything, drug abuse, um, deaths that occur from that whole situation, you haven't been, Colorado is very similar to Seattle right now. Denver is really similar to Seattle. Once you eliminate all that, tourism starts to spark back up. Crime rates go down. You're spending less on your police budget, right? You're, you're spending less on your prisons. Um, you know, you're spending less on the cleanup of your neighborhoods. Now you're having more productive members of society. And I always hated that phrase, productive members of society. But if you think about it in the sense of like a group or a tribe is we all have to be productive members of the tribe. We all have to go out there and have our valuable skill sets to go out there and, and perform for the tribe that allow us to live on, to go out and get, you know, the winter harvest, to go out there and get that kill that's going to feed everybody and all their families throughout the winter. And that responsibility comes upon all of us in that tribe in our various skill sets. And, and so I, I think that that type of environment really, that type of program, producing that type of environment and program would really be beneficial to a lot of people in this world, especially even people who are just like us. You know, one of the biggest problems that we have in school systems, one of the biggest problems we have in the work environment is exactly this problem. Number one is there's too many people in that classroom. Yeah. Number two is you're not basically, you're not independentizing the skill sets of the individual. Instead, we are looking for the same outcome, not opportunity, right? And so you put five kids into a classroom or sorry, you put right now, you're putting 20 kids into a classroom and you want the same exact outcome from all of them. That's communism. That's forced indentured slavery, right? Instead, what we should do is put them in smaller, smaller groups of five to eight people and we should we should uh, exploit their skill sets and put them into the groups in various constructive critical learning tasks i don't know if you know this but elon musk actually sends his kids to a school that does exactly this critical thinking critical skill sets and what they do is they get in small groups of five to eight people and they give them problems to solve together and everybody each problem is is designed around a various different skill set that every member of that team is going to be able to contribute to that problem okay this yeah uh, perfect design yeah you know when i was at united airlines we did a lot of team formation and a lot of different projects and here's the thing is I got to pick the people who went on my team, right? And I'd always pick the people who were never the best, right? Never the best, but the people who had the right skill set to step in and resolve the problems that would come up, right? And, and that's, you know, what you do is you would put the guy who is bad at cabling on cabling. You would put the guy that was, you know, bad, who didn't want to unpack and do things on that stuff. Why? Because it enhances their skill set. That's when you have extra time. If you don't have extra time, then you put all these people who are professionals at that certain skill on those jobs and you come out of there with perfection. 
this is how you do be a leader. This is how you do team building. This is exactly yeah, how you develop a successful community, a successful society is you have to go out there and you have to find what people are good at, what people are strong at, and you have to get them in the appropriate collaboration of groups to where all those different skill sets mesh to bring about a massive, great performance. You ever like, did you play high school sports? No. Okay. I played high school football. I wrestled, I played varsity football my freshman year to my senior year, okay? Mm -hmm. I played junior varsity, seventh grade to my freshman year. Freshman year to senior year, I was on varsity football. Um, And I wasn't that good at football. I just, well, I was pretty good. But understand this, is that (laughs) when you're in that team environment, right, Uh something different happens to you. You grow as a human being. You, you learn so much quicker. You adapt so much quicker because you're in this kind of like optimized state of this group mentality. You know exactly what the person next to you is doing it and when they're doing it and how they're doing it, okay? But what it does is it brings about this, this, this part inside of you which grows into that leader, into that alpha male, into that, that uh, sigma male or whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and see, you think of a collective flow state. It is. It is. And, and this is why, you know, uh, hunting, uh, hunting groups in, in tribes, in indigenous tribes, hunting groups, no more than five people. Yeah. This is, I, was a, I was an instructor for a while, and I would teach programming and math courses, geometry, trigonometry. Never would book a course for more than eight people. Yep. Because of the exact thing you're saying. You want to give personal time to every single person, and also you want to collaborate on issues. There's so much better ways to do it, man. And it's highly effective and everybody gets their needs met most of the time, unless they're all terrible. And then it's still, still hard. If you never heard of a Sigma male or Sigma female, go look it up. What? Okay, I have there's alpha, there's beta and there's Sigma. Sigma, sigma is beyond an alpha. Oh, it's a thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, that type of stuff right there would save our world. And that's a lot what we do here, right? I mean, we, we, we come out there and we get a mishmash of people and, and we talk about the information and we look at it from various different perspectives. And that helps us to understand it at that higher degree and better level. But I'm sorry, guys, I'm getting way off topic. New York City fires another 850 teachers for refusing the COVID jab. The U.S. Supreme Court may be weighing in on this issue soon. As well, I don't know if people knew that the U.S. Supreme Court might be weighing in on another voter fraud case, which could actually put Donald Trump in the office. And it has nothing to do with Donald Trump, but the decision that comes out of that could allow for the contention of the election and another special election that comes out of it, which is interesting. Federal judge strikes down Biden administration's COVID jab mask mandates for Head Start teachers. The public interest is served by maintaining the constitutional structure and maintaining the liberty of individuals who do not want to take the COVID-19 vaccine, the court ruled. This was in Lafayette, Louisiana. A federal judge struck down the Biden administration's school mask and vaccine mandate for Head Start volunteers and staff on Wednesday, arguing the policy's liberty interest supersedes any interest generated by a mandatory administration of vaccines. The victory for personal freedoms comes after Head Start teacher Sandy Brick and Jessica Trent filed a lawsuit against the federal government in December 2021 with representation from Liberty Justice Center and the Louisiana-based Pelican Institute for Public Policy. Uh, this Wednesday's decision, U.S. District Court Judge Terry Do- Doty 
ruled in favor of the teachers permanently enjoining the federal mandates across 24 states, the Liberty Justice Center said in the press release. The ruling will impact roughly 280,000 Head Start employees and volunteers who will no longer be forced to choose between getting the COVID-19 shot and losing their jobs. Students or adults will also no longer be required to wear masks. What a massive win. This means that if they try to pull this shit again, now there's a Supreme Court um, precedent that they can't. I don't know if you guys saw this man triggered over Kamala meme arrested after storming university lecture, kicking over projector. Uh, this happened to um, Benny, who is uh, a conservative commentator. He's all really big on Facebook, uh, the blaze, all those things. He was given a lecture and this guy came and did this. Check this out. So they're giving a presentation on meme wars, and that guy obviously got triggered. And triggered got him arrested. So oh, sucks to be him. <laughs> he says that's racist, but I saw a video of a guy asking a bunch of Mexican people about something similar, saying, hey, is this racist? Hey, do you think this is cultural appropriation? Hey, is this offensive? Yeah. All these Mexican people were like, no, no, not offensive. I like it. It's very yeah. nice. <laughs> not as offensive as Joe care. Biden saying not as good as the burritos downtown in the street in San Antonio, right? Yeah, the Mexicans like, that's our culture. It's kind of cool to see it yeah. online and people looking at it like, dude, nobody thinks that's offensive, man. The Shut uninformed up. and indoctrinated get triggered very easily. Do so sad. Dozens of pedophiles arrested in massive U.S. child sex trafficking sting. And look, I mean, oh, no, I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, and police in Arizona have arrested 21 pedophiles in connection to a massive child sex trafficking sting. Surprise police say the suspects were arrested during Operation Back to School, a valley-wide investigation where detectives placed ads on websites commonly sought out by suspects seeking illegal sex acts. Operations of this type are part of the Surprise Police Department's continuous efforts to reduce the demand that fuels child sex trafficking and exploitation of children in our community. So basically, this was entrapment. Just an FYI. That's exactly what this was. Was entrapment. But they caught a pedo. Entrapment catches pedos. Uh, Texas County Sheriff's Office arrests Precinct Chief in undercover prostitution st uh, sting operation. Precinct 5 Constable Ted Heap said Brian Harris has been relieved of his duty. The Montgomery County Sheriff's Office said its organized crime unit in cooperation with Human Trafficking Rescue Alliance conducted the sting operation Wednesday evening at a local hotel. The Sheriff's Office and 14 suspects in total were arrested for solicitation of prostitution. <sighs> well, you know what? There's, there's, bad, there's bad bubs everywhere. Not everybody in the world is good even if they're doing good things, right? Yeah, man. Going on to the jab, how about this one? 20, fully jabbed Canadian TV reporter, 24, suddenly dies um, and un, uh, fully unexpectedly dies. And so uh, Matthew Rajapol has died suddenly and unexpectedly at the age of 24, according to the reports. He died at his home of a heart problem despite previously having no health problems. Fact checkers in the mainstream media are trying to deny the experimental gene therapy injections could be linked to his untimely passing. We know that that is most likely truth. And we're seeing lots of more and more um, young people dying because of this. 
Yeah. The first time I ever heard of somebody like a teenager or maybe even their twenties having a heart attack, mm -hmm. it was a big deal. And people were like, Oh my gosh, no way. Oh, this is crazy. Hey, as Once. a, yeah. And this is just fucked up. You guys, listen, I'm going to give you some advice here. Don't cook chicken in NyQuil. Okay. That's right. Don't cook chicken in NyQuil. After FDA warns after TikTok challenge, don't eat freaking Tide Pods. Don't cook chicken in NyQuil. Just absolutely unbelievable. Look, 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 watch, watch it. This is your first time cooking sleepy chicken. Did she just call that sleepy chicken? I use like four thirds of the bottle. Did she say four thirds of the bottle? Three Applejack, four Applejack, five Applejack, six Applejack, seven Applejack. Talk about food that'll make you flatline. It means it's really seeping into the chicken. Seeping in, seeping in, seeping in. Uh, it almost may be about that time to ban white people from the kitchen. Oh yeah, she's dying to think someone might take my Wow. If anybody eat that meat, they gonna meet Jesus, Lord have mercy. Did you guys notice that the meat's not even cooked and she's using pliers to flip it? What the fuck? <laughs> Where do they come up with these people? It's so bad, man. It's hilarious, but terrible. Oh, by the way. Somebody. Oh, no. Yeah. It, it just and people are dying from this because the fumes that get off will kill you. They're toxic, which would make you realize that you probably shouldn't be drinking NyQuil at all. <laughs> right. All right. You know, so that executive order I was actually showing you from Barack Obama, it was quite interesting because, uh, yes, the president can declassify documents, but there isn't a set of protocols they have, but there isn't a set of protocols they have to follow. President Trump said yesterday with Sean Hannity that uh, he can think and declassify something as president. Guess what? He's right. He can. Because that executive order that Barack Obama basically published said exactly that. And there's something known as a presidential, uh, the Presidential Documents Act or Presidential Records Act. And basically it gives the president the, the, the ability as the representation, uh, representative of the people, the people elected him, over government. He has the discretion to declassify anything he wants to. Just by saying this is yep. declassified, here you go. Now, give the people a little update on this. Cash Patel and Chris Miller in two different interviews have came out and said that Donald Trump declassified all the documents that he had. And now the judge has given Donald Trump till the 30th, eight days, to validate that the FBI planted evidence. Now, there's something that Sean Hannity said last night in the interview with Donald Trump. He says the FBI asked you to turn off the security cameras at Mar-a-Lago. Did you? And Trump said, no, we didn't. And Sean Hannity said, are you going to release that footage? He goes, ah, you know, they, they told me that FBI officers who are probably good people could be hurt or injured or targeted because of that being released. So no. And then Sean Hannity goes, well, what if you just pixelate their faces and don't show their faces? He goes, well, you know, that's a possibility. <laughs> but here's the thing yeah. is Trump would not say that they planted evidence. He would not have his lawyers saying they planted evidence unless he has 100% complete proof that they planted evidence. And so we could see something as early as the 30th come about on this. Now, a lot of the other people are saying too, is like basically the FBI, um, 
they wanted to release the documents from the Mar-a-Lago raid and Trump's team basically came and told Deary, no, please don't do that. Right. Uh, and Deary okay. overruled them is now going to release the documents. But I think that that was a, a plan of attack. Now the documents will be released to the public. Like, Oh, they, um, what is that called? Reverse psychology. Right. But also Donald Trump's accusing them of having planted evidence of which that's why he didn't want them released because then it's going to show the public the planted evidence that the FBI claims is real, that type of thing. Um, I'm not worried about the uh, the peekaboo stuff. We can talk about that later. No, we just talk about okay. this peekaboo stuff. That's a uh, Latisha James in New York City. Okay, move on. Oh, this one's this one's interesting. I want I want to talk about this real quick. Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams, there is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It's a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take away the control of this body. What the fuck? Listen to this. Listen, listen to this fucking absolute soulless being. There is no such thing as a heartbeat at six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. What in the f- absolute I, I don't even gross. know. And by the way, she's crushing Kemp in Georgia. No. Yeah. Like, legitimately, she's outsmarting Kemp in Georgia. Like, she is, like, if you listen to their debates, she blows Kemp away. Kemp can't oh, touch her. No. Yeah. That's not good. And she's probably, apparently, she might run on the 2024 ticket. But no, that is no. absolutely absurd. I don't, I don't even know where to begin with with that train wreck. Pennsylvania County sues Dominion voting systems over severe anomalies in the 2020 election. Officials in Fulton County, Pennsylvania, have sued Dominion voting systems, alleging severe issues with voting data discovered after the 2020 U.S. election. The lawsuit filed Tuesday claims that the county officials became aware of severe anomalies in the Dominion voting systems due to the inaccuracy and inability to reconcile voter data with votes actually cast or counted by the company's proprietary system at or about the time of the 2020 election. Officials cited a report from earlier this month which revealed that security measures necessary to harden and secure Dominion systems had not been performed and that external USB hard drives had been inserted into the machines on several occasions when there was no known list of approved external drives that could have been used or were inserted into the machines. There you go. Fucking voter fraud. But no one wants to talk. Oh, no, there's no voter fraud. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, this is something I think everybody needs to hear. And yes, voter fraud, we know it's true. We know it's real. Hopefully this election is different. We only got a few minutes left, but I really want to talk about the next three things here, okay? Because this is a warning for everybody. The globalists are planning on something, a black swan event, and it is coming. UN warns of a winter of discontent as the world is in peril. This came from UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who gave the grim assessment on Tuesday in New York City. Okay? He said that we are looking fairly gloomy and dark upcoming winter of global discontent from rising prices, a warming planet, and deadly conflicts. Okay? What about uh, Emmanuel Macron? He warns of crisis of democracies, including in the U.S., in an exclusive interview. A crisis of democracies, including the United States, following the years of pressure and destabilization efforts. 
Okay, what else? Is anybody else saying anything? Probably. The Serbian president warns of great world conflict within two months. The president of Serbia has warned that the planet is entering into a great world conflict that could take place within the next two months. Alexandra Vucicic made the alarming comments during the first day of the UN General Assembly session in New York. You see a crisis in every part of the world, Vucic told the Serbian state broadcaster RTS. I think realistic predictions ought to be even darker, he added. Our position is even worse since the UN has been weak. Listen to this part. He goes, our position is even worse since the UN, the United Nations, has been weakened and the great powers have taken over and practically destroyed the United Nations order over the past several decades. What great, but he's not talking about the superpowers. He's talking about the globalist. He says the UN has been weakened by the globalists who have taken over and practically destroyed the United Nations over the past several de decades. I assume that we're leaving the phase of the special military operation approaching a major armed conflict in Ukraine. And now the question becomes, where is the line and whether after a certain time, maybe a month or two, even we will enter a great world conflict not seen since the Second World War. Here's your sign. Here's your sign. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to go in here. We're going to look at... And so, guys, I, I just put that out there because, you know what? We need to understand what is coming. We're all here for a purpose, all here for a reason. There's no reason to be scared or afraid or anything like that. Just understand that we're here for a reason. Yay, yeah. just donated one dial, diamond. Welcome, Autumn. Patience necessary just followed. Welcome, patience necessary. Thank you to the show. Uh, Jay back, $10 on Rumble. Truth in love prevails. God wins. Love you all. Love you too, my friend. Uh, fun one just followed. Welcome, fun one. Much appreciated for all the donations and for the uh, battle of the streams there. Guys, if you guys want to check us out, if you just followed, please do like, follow, comment. Make sure you subscribe. Go to redpills.tv. Put your email address in there so you can stay up to date with everything you're going. And if you guys want to collaborate with this awesome group of people who are chatting down there, myself, you want to contact me, whatever it might be, Vince, go ahead and go to socialredpill.com socialredpill.com sign up for a free pro profile if you want to help us out and support us you can sign up for a paid profile doesn't matter but that's where we're all collaborating we got like 8,000 people on there we got maybe about a thousand active throughout the month great time out there um, if you want to follow us on telegram red pills tv that's at red pills tv on telegram you can check us out there but much love respect god bless you guys thank you so much for vince for joining me tonight and tomorrow night conversation on the fringe don't forget in the morning morning coffee with vince and andrea uh, we have the dark delight show my radio show that is broadcast afterwards and then conversations on the fringe tomorrow with me and david whitehead have a great night everybody i hope you guys did enjoy the show much love respect god bless take care